C. diff spores and more is brought to you by Clorox Healthcare, trusted solutions for your infection prevention needs. Visit us on the web at CloroxHealthcare.com. Welcome to C. diff spores and more with your host, Nancy Kerala. We are here to discuss C. diff, healthcare associated infections, and other related healthcare topics. Now, here's your host, Nancy Kerala. Welcome to the program and thank you for joining us today. We would like to thank our sponsor, Clorox Healthcare, for making this program possible. Visit the Clorox Healthcare website to learn more about their products keeping environments safer. CloroxHealthcare.com forward slash C. Radio. It's a great pleasure to introduce our guest today. Dr. Dale Girding is a leading international expert on Clostridium difficile, an infectious disease specialist, researcher, professor, and hospital epidemiologist. Dr. Girding joins us today to discuss his patented non-toxigenic Clostridium difficile, NTCDM3 technology for the prevention and treatment of clostridium difficile infection at this time i would like to welcome our guest to the program welcome and thank you for being with us today dr girding thank you nancy it's a pleasure to be with you um how shall shall we start uh we need to background c diff a bit oh that would be fantastic if you wouldn't mind sharing that with our listeners um well c difficile infection is a bacterial infection and uh, patients usually acquire it uh, after exposure to the healthcare system. Uh, this bacteria uh, is found in hospitals contaminating the environment. It's also found in water sources, soil, even in some foods. Uh, it's a what's called an anaerobic bacteria. That is, it does not live in oxygen. And it uh, has several clever uh, attributes. It makes spores. Uh, these are uh, a form of the bacteria that's a very hardened form that allows it to exist uh, in the soil and in water uh, without being affected by chemicals or heat or cold. Um, and this organism uh, causes infection, primarily a diarrheal illness and abdominal pain that can be very severe and particularly severe in elderly patients uh, and you get it if you have uh, taken an antibiotic or another drug like a chemotherapy drug that disrupts your normal uh, bacteria of your gut or your colon. And that disruption then allows C. diff, if you happen to ingest it, to grow up. And when it grows up in your colon, it makes toxins. And these toxins then are responsible for severe diarrhea. So patients who are susceptible are those primarily who are elderly, over the age of 65, although younger patients clearly do get this infection as well. The symptoms, as I said, are uh, severe diarrhea, abdominal pain, um, sometimes even shock. Uh, mortality is around 5 to 10% with this infection, uh, so it is not a trivial infection at all, and it is now the most common healthcare-associated infection that we see in hospitals, even more common than staph infections. Exactly. The problem is, is a widespread one. We see it uh, in all uh, Western uh, civilization hospitals, and we're seeing it more and more now in the Far East as well in hospitals there. And it, 
interestingly, is treated uh, with an antibiotic, vancomycin or metronidazole. Uh, metronidazole also goes by the name of Flagyl. Um, and one of its biggest problems, though, that I want to talk about today is the fact that once you have C. diff infection, your chance of getting it back within a month or two is about 20 to 30 percent. And this is a major unmet medical need uh, that we need to really focus on. And, and we have been trying to overcome this problem now for years. And I think we're on the threshold of, of finally making some impacts into preventing these recurrences. Exactly. And doctor, would you mind taking a moment and just explaining to our listeners around the world uh, the different types of tests, uh, the diagnostics that are available to test for C. difficile? Yes, and this is a big controversial area right now. So these tests are done on uh, stool specimens, and the most common test in the United States is something called nucleic acid amplification tests, also known as PCR or polymerase chain reaction. And this detects the toxin genes of the organism in the stool. Um, These tests are exquisitely sensitive, and some studies more recently have suggested that maybe they're too sensitive. The other major test modality is uh, something called toxin detection itself, and we actually look for the C. difficile toxins in the stool, and uh, these tests are not as sensitive and generally have been replaced by these uh, PCR tests. However, the best data that we're starting to see now suggests that the toxins may actually predict who has C. diff infection better than the nucleic acid amplification uh, tests do. Okay, and then we have the patients who are colonized. And can you just voice a a little bit about the colonization? Uh, Yes, in fact, uh, colonization of patients is how we discovered non-toxigenic C. diff. Um, Patients uh, pick up C. diff in the hospital, and not all of them get sick. In fact, the majority of them do not. Uh, And the reason they don't get sick is because they presumably have good antibodies against these toxins. And these antibodies prevent them from having uh, diarrheal symptoms. They don't prevent them from carrying the organism in the stool, however. And PCR testing, because it's so sensitive, uh, can pick up these carriers uh, if a patient happens to have diarrhea for some other uh, reason, let's say they're given a laxative in the hospital or a tube feeding, uh, which causes diarrhea. If someone tests them, uh, they may not have uh, C. diff diarrhea, but have diarrhea from the laxative and yet test positive with the PCR test. Okay. And doctor, can you go over the new in- approaches um, to reduce recurrent C. C. difficile infections? Sure. Um, This is an exciting period right now. We have uh, new antibiotics, which are less harmful to the normal bacteria in the gut. Uh, Fidaxomycin has been on the market now for about five years, and there are two other new antibiotics in uh, clinical research trials, one of them called Cadazolid and the other one called Ritonilazole. Both of them look very promising at reducing the uh, rates of uh, C. diff recurrence. Another approach is uh, something called a monoclonal antibody, and we just uh, 
heard within the past week of a publication in the New England Journal of Medicine about a drug called bezlotuximab, and that is a monoclonal antibody that is given by intravenous injection and has shown a reduction in recurrence from 27% in placebo patients uh, down to 17%, so a very significant reduction. And that drug will be available, I'm told, within the next month or so. An additional approach is something called uh, uh, a vaccine. Uh, uh, vaccines are being developed by three different companies, and they will uh, allow a patient to develop a good immune response to these toxins. Uh, these are injectable vaccines. They require three injections, and they take about a month uh, to establish an effective immune response, but uh, they are also in phase two and phase three clinical trials, so we're looking forward to, to those when they become available. Now, a very popular approach has been something called FMT, or fecal microbiome transplants, in which uh, stool is uh, isolated from a donor, presumably someone who is uh, healthy, and that stool is processed to extract the bacteria then these bacteria are given to patients to restore their normal, uh, what's called microbiota or, or gut bac bacterial population. These um, FMT uh, administrations can be done by a tube put into the stomach, uh, by a colonoscopy, by enema, or even uh, by capsules, by having the material put into a capsule and uh, administering it orally. FMT had a great deal of enthusiasm initially as we're seeing more randomized controlled trials with comparators. Uh, we're finding that it's not quite as effective as the initial enthusiasm, but it remains one of the strong areas of, of research right now. Uh, finally, uh, what I'm working on is a, a approach that is novel in that we're using a strain of C. difficile that is uh, a non-toxin-producing strain. In other words, it's ex exactly the same strain as the one that causes disease, but it lacks all of these uh, genes that are responsible for make making the toxin uh, in these patients, or excuse me, in these strains of C. difficile that are toxigenic. Uh, the toxins are toxin A, toxin B, and a third toxin called binary toxin. And these strains lack all of these toxins. And uh, uh, I'm going to talk about how we've taken these strains and then taken them through clinical trials uh, to develop uh, what we think is a very promising uh, treatment to prevent recurrence of, of uh, C. difficile infection. Exactly. And Dr. Gerding, we thank you so much for sharing this important information with our listeners today. And we're going to pause for a brief commercial break. When we return, we will continue learning more about NTCDM3 research and how it was discovered with phase one and two human clinical studies and trials and the technology that's now available. So stay tuned. We'll be right back after these messages. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. 
the CDF Foundation offers global community support sessions. CDF can affect anyone at any age at any location in the world. Receive support from topic experts sharing information on nutrition, mental health, C. difficile prevention, treatments, and environmental safety, as well as learn about upcoming events, teleconferences, and support sessions. To register for a session, call the CDF Foundation at 1-844-4-CDF. 1-844-367-2343 or visit us on the web at cdifffoundation.org Support is just a phone call or mouse click away. Because C. difficile lives on surfaces for weeks, because it infects nearly 500,000 Americans yearly, you need disinfectants you can trust. Clorox Healthcare bleach products, cited by more studies to kill C. diff than any other products. EPA registered to kill C. diff in as fast as three minutes. Trusted disinfectants to kill C. diff spores in hospitals, because even one C. diff infection is too many. Learn more at CloroxHealthcare.com. Have you done any of these things today? Exited a restroom? Entered and exited a patient's room? Visited a doctor's office? Have you done this today? washed your hands. Hand washing remains the single most important task of the day. It takes soap, water, a minimum of 30 seconds, and a clean dry towel to turn off faucets and dry hands to stop giving germs a free ride. Keep safe from germs worldwide. Hand washing, number one in infection prevention. For additional information on hand washing instructions, visit cdifffoundation.org. You are listening to C. diff, spores, and more. If you have a question, please send an email to info at cdifffoundation.org. Now, back to our program. Here again is your host, Nancy Kerala. Welcome back to C. diff, spores, and more, Global Broadcasting Network. We welcome our listeners joining us today. Our guest today is Dr. Dale Girding, MD, a leading international expert on Clostridium difficile, an infectious disease specialist, researcher, professor, and hospital epidemiologist. Dr. Girding joins us today to discuss his patented non-toxigenic Clostridium difficile NTCDM3 technology for the prevention and treatment of Clostridium difficile infection. Welcome back to the program, Dr. Girding. Oh, thank you, Nancy. Um, Would you like to introduce like the to NTCD? Just move right into uh, how this came about. How did how did uh, non-toxigenic C. diff uh, get discovered? And uh, it's interesting. We were doing a research study in which we were trying to figure out how often patients in the hospital were actually uh, being exposed to C. difficile and acquiring this organism while they were in in our hospital setting. And to do that, we were uh, doing uh, something called a rectal swab culture, uh, not a very pleasant thing to do to patients, but we did manage to get about 95% of them to agree to let us do this every week. And as we were doing this, we noticed that we were picking up patients who did not have diarrhea, but actually had C. diff detectable in their stool. And we started to watch these patients, and we found that they had a very low rate of uh, infection with C. diff. In other words, they had very low rate of, of getting sick. And so we started to look at these organisms and do something called molecular typing and also check them for toxin. And what we found was these patients who had become colonized were actually protected against C. diff infection. And uh, part of the reason that they were protected is that uh, quite a few of them, in fact, 46% of them, 
had uh, organisms that did not make toxin. And when we looked at these specific organisms and did this molecular typing, we found that certain strains, particularly those in what are called the M group and the T group, uh, were dominating. And there was one strain in particular called M3 that was the most common strain uh, colonizing these patients. And so we, we thought, well, if, if this uh, is preventing these people from getting C. diff, we should probably try to see if we can replicate that in animal models in the laboratory. So we, uh, we got an animal model, which is the uh, Syrian golden hamster. And the Syrian golden hamster, when you give it an antibiotic and then challenge it with uh, C. difficile, unfortunately has a very uh, fatal uh, response to that. And uh, these animals uh, succumb within a couple of days to infection with C. diff. So we designed experiments where we gave them the antibiotic and we gave them non-toxigenic C. diff and then challenged them with these uh, normally fatal toxigenic strains. And in our very first experiment, we uh, treated 10 animals and we were able to prevent disease in every single one of them. Uh, all of these animals survived. None of them got sick where previously we knew uh, that all 10 of them would have uh, uh, died from the challenge with toxigenic C. diff. So we uh, progressed to trying uh, multiple different toxigenic strains of C. diff and showed that uh, uh, these non-toxigenic strains were effective against multiple different strains. Uh, we showed that uh, M3, the strain that we thought was the most common, uh, was the best of the strains, although the others uh, statistically were also very effective. And we showed that in order for these animals to be protected, uh, that the strain had to actually colonize their gut. In other words, we had to be able to find it uh, in the fecal uh, pellets of these hamsters uh, before we challenged them with a toxigenic strain. So there was a nice correlation or indication of success uh, that you could detect in the stool of the animal, and you knew which animals then were going to be protected. And we were able to colonize uh, well over 90% of all of these animals. And we also were interested in whether uh, these strains would protect against this epidemic NAP1 strain that has been so prevalent in the United States since about 2000. And we showed that uh, both historic strains of this NAP1, those that we found back in the 1980s before the epidemic, uh, could be protected against, but also the newer strains that have emerged uh, which are more virulent than the previous ones, also could be protected by the M3 strain, but not by a, another non-toxigenic strain called T7. T7 only protected about 50% of the animals compared to over 90% uh, with M3. So we knew that M3 uh, has some property that enables it to be even more protective uh, against uh, challenge with a toxigenic strain uh, than some of the other non-toxigenic strains. So uh, we decided to go ahead then with NTCD-M3 and to take that strain uh, into uh, contract with a pharmaceutical company to have it manufactured. And the idea was to make spores of this bacteria because spores... 
uh, are ideal for administering orally. And these hamsters, we had administered the strains to the hamsters orally. But spores, uh, because of their durability, can go right and are extremely effective and at getting to the lower bowel where the spores then germinate and the organism can then grow up and colonize the patient. So um, this was the idea then to administer these spores in a liquid, which is how we administered it to the hamsters, uh, after we had devised the methodology for manufacturing the spores under what's called good manufacturing practice. And that uh, then was the process that we went through to uh, initially uh, set the um, non-toxigenic C diff up for administration to volunteers in what is called a uh, phase one trial. And this is always necessary in order to test uh, for the safety of a new, uh, a new drug. But we felt pretty confident that this was going to be safe because we had isolated it from patients who are not having any symptoms. So um, it's not as though we were um, starting in some great mystery here of administering this to, uh, to volunteers, but already had a good idea from patients that we had isolated from that this uh, was going to be a safe approach. No, thank you, Doctor. And Doctor, before we go to break, um, maybe you can share some information with us and our listeners. Is is there an incubation period in humans once a person is introduced to C. difficile bacteria? Um, that's a very good question, and it's one that's been repeatedly debated. And when we were doing these trials of uh, culturing everyone every week, uh, we could tell when people had acquired the organism. Uh, and what we found was that uh, patients who had acquired the organism on a given week actually had a lower incidence of C. diff infection than did the patients who uh, had not acquired the organism in the previous week. So what that means is that people... Uh, being sampled on a weekly basis would apparently acquire the organism and get symptoms before the next uh, culture a week later, which means then that the incubation period is probably less than a week. Now, there are people who are colonized following uh, having had a C. diff infection, and we know that they are at risk for having an additional infection. So I think you cannot use those patients to estimate the incubation period because uh, those apparently are patients who do not have a good immune response if they are susceptible uh, to a recurrence of C. diff. But in general, we think the incubation period is fairly short, uh, probably less than a week. Okay, well... Thank you so much, Dr. Gerding, and for sharing the important information with our listeners. This is really interesting research and very promising for the treatment of C. difficile infections. When we return from our break, uh, we'll learn more about NTCDM3, the phase one and two human clinical studies and trials, and the technology now available. Please stay tuned. We'll be right back after these messages. <music> Thank you. 
We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. The CDF Foundation offers global community support sessions. CDF can affect anyone at any age at any location in the world. Receive support from topic experts sharing information on nutrition, mental health, C. difficile prevention, treatments, and environmental safety, as well as learn about upcoming events, teleconferences, and support sessions. To register for a session, call the CDF Foundation at 1-844-4CDF. 1-844-367-2343 or visit us on the web at cdifffoundation.org Support is just a phone call or mouse click away. Because C. difficile lives on surfaces for weeks, because it infects nearly 500,000 Americans yearly, you need disinfectants you can trust. Clorox Healthcare bleach products, cited by more studies to kill C. diff than any other products. EPA registered to kill C. diff in as fast as three minutes. Trusted disinfectants to kill C. diff spores in hospitals, because even one C. diff infection is too many. Learn more at CloroxHealthcare.com. Have you done any of these things today? Exited a restroom? Entered and exited a patient's room? Visited a doctor's office? Have you done this today? washed your hands. Hand washing remains the single most important task of the day. It takes soap, water, a minimum of 30 seconds, and a clean dry towel to turn off faucets and dry hands to stop giving germs a free ride. Keep safe from germs worldwide. Hand washing, number one in infection prevention. For additional information on hand washing instructions, visit cdifffoundation.org. You are listening to C. diff, spores, and more. If you have a question, please send an email to info at cdifffoundation.org. Now, back to our program. Here again is your host, Nancy Kerala. Welcome back to C. diff, spores, and more, Global Broadcasting Network. We welcome our listeners joining us today. Our guest is Dr. Dale Girding, MD, a leading international expert on C. difficile, an infectious disease specialist, researcher, professor, and hospital epidemiologist. Dr. Girding joins us today to discuss his patented non-toxigenic Clostridium difficile, NTCDM3, technology for the prevention and treatment of Clostridium difficile infection. Welcome back to the program, Dr. Girding. Thank you, Nancy. And before the commercial break, you introduced the NTCDM3 and explained how it was discovered and, and the patient um, the animal trials. Would you like to discuss the phase one and two human studies? I sure would. This is my favorite subject. So <laughs> um, uh, the um, phase one trials uh, are, uh, for our listeners' uh, information, are done primarily for safety. And they're done with volunteers, not patients. And the uh, volunteers are paid and they um, are exposed to the, uh, the new drug, or in this case, the new organism. And then they're carefully monitored uh, during that time period for any adverse events or, or safety issues. So um, the design of this trial was to administer uh, non-toxigenic C. difficile spores, or I'll call it NTCD-M3, uh, to these patients in progressively bigger doses, starting with a very low dose of 10,000 spores and then building up to 100 million spores. 
And we started with volunteers who were young. They were in their 20s and 30s. And eventually we moved up to volunteers over the age of 60. And the reason for that is that they are the age group that has the most trouble with uh, C. difficile infections. And we began by just giving them uh, uh, single doses of these spores, and we gave it in a uh, oral liquid form, and you just uh, drank it down. It was a very small volume, a couple of teaspoons. Um, and we had some of the uh, volunteers be on placebo uh, so that we could compare them for uh, any safety issues or adverse events. And we uh, started the trial uh, with the young uh, patient, uh, young volunteers, I'm sorry, most of whom uh, brought in their uh, screens and their um, uh, social media and pretty much uh, were isolated by themselves with their screens. But when we got to the uh, over uh, 60 group of uh, volunteers, uh, they came in and actually were socializing and and playing cards and uh, generally interacting with each other considerably. And I'm going to tell you uh, later why that's important, because uh, we think that in the process of doing that, they managed to transfer these spores uh, to the placebo uh, volunteers as well. So uh, to mimic uh, how you might use these spores, to prevent uh, recurrence of C. diff, we treated these volunteers with uh, vancomycin for five days. And this is to simulate uh, how you might uh, use this following treatment of a patient who is being treated for a C. diff infection. And what we're trying to do here is see whether the patient will get colonized, whether it will be safe, and, uh, and how long this colonization will last. So we began with the low doses of the spores. We uh, gave just 10,000 spores to the volunteers. And we had uh, three volunteers who were on placebo and uh, uh, nine who were receiving the spores. And all of them became colonized by day five, but the placebo patients uh, did not. And uh, one of the placebo patients, interestingly, uh, picked up a wild-type toxigenic strain of C. diff and fortunately did not get sick. Uh, but it shows you that uh, C. diff is quite ubiquitous and uh, found just about everywhere. So even in this uh, uh, phase one clinical trial environment, uh, one of them was able to pick up a toxigenic strain. Uh, none of the patients had um, any serious adverse events. Uh, about 40% of them continued to be colonized after the um, administration, which was given for uh, 14 days. And we used 14 days because uh, we wanted to be sure that this was tolerated well in the event that we have to use it for a long period of time. So uh, 10,000 spores a day for 14 days, and all of the patients became colonized. And when we moved up to a higher dose, we did a million spores a day, and then we moved up to 100 million spores a day uh, in this elderly volunteer group. And when we did that, uh, that's when we found that uh, not only did the, the volunteers that we gave the spores to uh, get colonized in their gut, but also the uh, placebo uh, patients also had C. diff in their stool, non-toxigenic, the same exact strain. And what we think happened is that because of all the socializing that these patients were doing, that they probably uh, got their hands contaminated with the spores and then in the process of playing cards and other social interactions, 
uh, spread the spores to the other volunteers. Now, none of them had any symptoms. Uh, as I said, this is safe. It, it did not uh, cause any adverse events. However, it is an indication that possibly uh, there could be something called uh, herd protection or herd immunity that might be conferred in hospitals if large numbers of patients were taking non-toxigenic C. diff. In other words, instead of people picking up wild-type toxigenic strains in the hospital, they might be shifted over to picking up uh, these non-toxigenic safe strains. So uh, basically, uh, uh, that that was the finding of this um, uh, volunteer trial. It was shown to be safe. Uh, There were no significant adverse events. Uh, However, we did have this interesting observation of the transfer of the uh, non-toxigenic strain to the placebo uh, volunteers as well. Uh, As a result of that, uh, we um, considered how much of a dose to give patients in the actual Phase two clinical trial, and we decided to back the dose down from 100 million spores a day uh, to 10 million spores a day, and that was based on uh, not having seen transfers at a million spores a day, but wanting to be sure that we gave an adequate dose to patients. And we designed the uh, Phase two trial to test uh, dosages of 10,000 spores a day and 10 million spores a day, and also to compare seven days of administration uh, to 14 days of administration. So uh, the phase uh, one trial gave us a good indication of uh, how uh, much we needed to administer to patients in the phase two trial and also uh, uh, what the duration of uh, administration needed to be because we were able to observe that every one of the volunteers uh, by day six had become colonized. So uh, the issue of uh, how long it takes to get someone colonized uh, is an issue of how long it takes for the antibiotic, the vancomycin that they have been taken, taking, to be excreted uh, in the stool of these patients. So once it's gone, then the non-toxigenic strain can grow while the vancomycin is there uh, the vancomycin will kill the non-toxigenic strain, uh, just as it does uh, the toxigenic strains that are that it's used to uh, treat infection for. So um, the uh, phase two trial, and um, do we have time to introduce that right now? Absolutely, you can begin. Um, we'd love to hear about the phase two, and if we have to stop for a commercial break, we can pick up when we return. Okay, that sounds great. Um, so the phase two trial was designed uh, to give non-toxigenic C. diff to patients who were having their first episode of C. diff infection or their first recurrence. And the idea was to have the patient be treated as they normally would be uh, with uh, metronidazole or with vancomycin or with both and had to have them uh, resolve their symptoms, in other words, to be successfully treated. And at that point, uh, we would start to administer uh, the non-toxigenic C. difficile M3 strain on a daily basis for either seven days or 14 days. And the idea was to get the 
the uh, gut of these patients colonized with this non-toxigenic strain, which would then prevent them from having a recurrence with a toxigenic strain. And we had a four-arm study. Uh, there was a placebo arm, uh, which had 43 patients in it. Uh, there was a, a low-dose arm of just 10,000 spores a day for seven days. Uh, there was a high-dose arm of 10 million spores a day for seven days. And finally, there was a high-dose arm of 10 million spores a day for 14 days. Uh, so we were testing both low-dose and high-dose, and we were also testing uh, at the high-dose whether seven days or 14 days was going to be more effective. And the goal of the trial is um, uh, fourfold. The first goal is to demonstrate that it's safe uh, to use non-toxigenic C. diff in these patients. The second goal uh, was to determine how frequently we were able to colonize the stool with non-toxigenic C. diff in these patients following treatment for their C. diff uh, infection. Uh, a second uh, goal of, uh, of outcome was to evaluate recurrence of C. diff infection in these patients, uh, de- trying to determine if uh, non-toxigenic C. diff would significantly lower the rate of recurrence. And finally, our final goal was to determine just what the best dose and duration of treatment was uh, in these patients. In other words, try to see if there was a significant uh, dosage or duration of dosage that was better than the other uh, ones that were being tested. Okay. And, Doctor, what was the outcome with the, um, the goals? Well, with the um, goals, the first goal was safety. Uh, there were no... Uh, significant safety signals in the patients. So uh, the only uh, minor adverse reaction was headache. Uh, That occurred in about 10% of uh, patients who received the spores uh, compared to 2% of placebo, Uh, but it was transient. It went away, and it did not require anyone to stop uh, taking the medication. The second outcome uh, measure that we were looking at was the rate at which these patients got colonized with non-toxigenic C. diff. And so we did this by doing um, daily and then weekly cultures uh, while we were administering the um, the non-toxigenic C. diff. And we found that the lower dose colonized about 63% of patients and the high dose colonized 71% of patients. So it was clear that uh, better colonization rates could be achieved with high dose rather than with uh, low dose of these spores. The, uh, the other um, observation we made was that the uh, reoccurrence rate in these patients, and I, sh- I should tell you that the majority of these patients were treated uh, with metronidazole, uh, 60%. Um, vancomycin was used in 20% of the patients, and in 20% of the patients, uh, there was treatment with both vancomycin and with metronidazole. So they actually received uh, two-drug treatment. Uh, and the, um, the incidence of primary C. diff infection in the, in the population we treated was 80%. So 
80% of the patients were having their first episode of C. diff infection, and 20% were having their first recurrence of C. diff. So, so we had 80% uh, on their first episode, 20% on their second episode of C. diff, and the outcome of recurrence rates was that the placebo population, uh, which, by the way, had uh, 63% colonization with toxigenic C. diff, uh, which uh, is very common, and at, at about a week or two post-treatment, they peak in terms of colonization. So they had a 63% colonization, uh, and they had a recurrence rate of 30%. So okay. compared to the patients who received any dose of non-toxigenic C. diff, M3, the recurrence rate with those patients was 11%. This was highly statistically significant, a 19% decrease in recurrence, and the p-value for that was 0.006. The best dose that we used uh, was 10 million spores a day for seven days, and the recurrence rate in that group was 5%. So, uh, reduction from 30% in placebo to 5% for the best uh, dose used. And the 14-day um, the administration did not improve over seven days of administration. So the other key finding was that uh, a seven-day administration of this high dose of 10 to 10 million spores a day uh, was sufficient uh, and you did not have to continue administration for the full 14 days. So um, we really uh, were uh, very gratified by the outcome and, uh, and feel that this is a significant way in the future to be able to reduce the incidence of, um, of C. difficile recurrence in these patients. Um, now, one of the questions that comes up all the time is, gosh, how long do these patients stay colonized with this non-toxigenic C. diff? Is it, are they going to be carrying this organism for life, and is it going to change uh, anything about their health in the future? So we followed these patients for um, uh, six months, and uh, every a month we did a culture to see if they continued to have uh, C. diff in the stool. And what we found was that these patients... Uh, do not retain this organism in the stool uh, indefinitely. Uh, the longest that any of them remained colonized was 22 weeks. Um, and similarly, patients who are colonized with a toxigenic strain, uh, about 5% uh, were still colonized at six months. So uh, it appears that uh, both non-toxigenic and toxigenic strains uh, do persist in the stool uh, for a fairly long period of time. And what we think is happening is that the uh, patient's own microbiome, the microbiota, their normal bacteria, are recovering on their own. And as they recover, uh, what they do is uh, push out the toxigenic or non-toxigenic C. diff that's in the stool, uh, leaving the normal microbiome in place. And uh, presumably then they are uh, no longer susceptible uh, to a recurrence of C. diff. So... Results very gratifying in this uh, this group of patients. 
Um, Dr. Garding, this is very impressive research, and we're so excited to hear the positive outcomes of the phase one and two trials. And we are going to break, at, uh, take a brief commercial break at this time. When we return, we will continue learning more about NTCDM3 and the technology available. Stay tuned. We'll be right back after these messages. <music> Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. To help support the CDF Foundation, please visit our website, cdifffoundation.org forward slash donate or call toll free 1 844 4CDF. That's 1 844 367 2343. Join us in our fight against C. diff and help us continue our mission of educating and advocating for C. diff infection prevention, treatments, and environmental safety worldwide. Through your continued support, we can continue raising C. diff awareness and help save lives. Donate today. Visit cdifffoundation.org. Thank you. Because C. difficile lives on surfaces for weeks, because it infects nearly 500,000 Americans yearly, you need disinfectants you can trust. Clorox Healthcare bleach products, cited by more studies to kill C. diff than any other products, EPA registered to kill C. diff in as fast as three minutes, trusted disinfectants to kill C. diff spores in hospitals, because even one C. diff infection is too many. Learn more at CloroxHealthcare.com. Have you done any of these things today? Exited a restroom? Entered and exited a patient's room? Visited a doctor's office? Have you done this today? Washed your hands? Hand washing remains the single most important task of the day. It takes soap, water, a minimum of 30 seconds, and a clean dry towel to turn off faucets and dry hands to stop giving germs a free ride. Keep safe from germs worldwide. Hand washing, number one in infection prevention. For additional information on hand-washing instructions, visit cdifffoundation.org. You are listening to C. diff spores and more. If you have a question, please send an email to info at cdifffoundation.org. Now, back to our program. Here again is your host, Nancy Kerala. Welcome back to the program, and welcome back to C. diff spores and more, Global Broadcasting Network. We welcome our listeners joining us today. Our guest is Dale, Dr. Dale Gerding, MD, a leading international expert on Clostridium difficile, an infectious disease specialist, researcher, professor, and hospital epidemiologist. Dr. Gerding joined us today to, to discuss his patented non-toxigenic Clostridium difficile, NTCDM3 technology for the prevention and treatment of Clostridium difficile infection. Welcome back to the program, Dr. Gerding. Thank you, Nancy. Before the commercial break, doctor, you shared the NTCDM3 phase one and two human studies. Would you mind adding some comments about this uh, wonderful and impressive finding? Uh, I would love to. The um, I was I was giving the results of the prevention of uh, of recurrent uh, C diff and uh, and I I said the non toxigenic C diff uh, group of patients 
overall had a recurrence rate of 11%. And the best dose uh, that we used uh, had a recurrence rate of 5%, and that was compared to 30% uh, for the patients who were on placebo. So it was a significant reduction. I also wanted to... Um, to let uh, your listeners know that the, there's a way that you can predict who's going to be uh, protected just by sampling the stool. And if you can detect uh, non-toxigenic C. diff in the stool uh, after you have administered it to the patient, that that correlates with protection. Those patients, there were 86 of them in the study who uh, had detectable C. diff in the stool at any time after administration, those patients had a recurrence rate of only 2%. Uh, so there's a definite correlation here with uh, uh, being able to be colonized with non-toxigenic C. diff and being protected against further infection uh, uh, with the toxigenic strains uh, or having a recurrence of, uh, of a C. diff infection. I, w- I wanted to um, address another indication for how uh, non-toxigenic C. diff might be used, and that is as a primary prevention uh, against people getting C. diff infection in the first place. In other words, this would be analogous to a vaccine, except uh, this would be fairly quick-acting compared to uh, the time it takes for a vaccine to kick in and develop an immune response, which often would be in, the, in terms of weeks or months. Instead, uh, uh, non-toxigenic C. diff could uh, colonize patients within days of administration. So if you have a patient, let's say, in a hospital, elderly, uh, receiving an antibiotic, uh, you know that they're going to be at high risk uh, for a C. diff infection, but you could give those patients, uh, as we did to hamsters in our animal model, uh, non-toxigenic C. diff and give it to them every day while they are on antibiotics. Now, some antibiotics will kill the uh, non-toxigenic C. diff because they're active against it, but some will not. And so you may be able to get uh, a patient colonized within 24 hours. Uh, if, and we've, we've done these experiments in animals, if the antibiotic is active against uh, non-toxigenic C. diff, it's also active generally against toxigenic C. diff. And what happens then is you just keep giving it every day, and by about two days after the last antibiotic dose, uh, the patient uh, has detectable, in the, in the case of animals, has detectable C. diff in the stool and is protected. So... So this would be a primary application for prevention. It's short-term, it's transient. Uh, it will last probably in the order of weeks to months, but it would be an ideal uh, protection for those patients. Uh, if you were planning to give them a vaccine, it would give them protection during that window uh, between the time the vaccine starts and the vaccine uh, protection is established. Uh, so we'd be able to protect patients during the entire a vulnerable period after an antibiotic, uh, combining the use of a non-toxigenic C. diff and uh, a vaccine in the future. So I think there's a, a huge potential here, not only for protection against recurrence of C. diff, but also against uh, a protection against C. diff in the first place. And, uh, and this is what makes me so excited about this uh, uh, technology and, and uh why I'm so interested in moving this forward. Exactly. 
And doctor, before we close the program, earlier you had mentioned about toxigenic strain, you know, being detected up to six months in some patients. That's a really good question we receive often is how long does the C. diff uh, bacterium uh, spore last in the colon after they have been cured or no longer have symptoms of C. diff? Yes, and uh, and we do have the data for that, and and uh, toxigenic strains were detected in about five percent of people at six months. Uh, so it it does hang on longer than we thought. I think I, I, this is this is the only data I'm aware of uh, that has that long a follow up with patients. So uh, it peaked at about two weeks uh, following treatment. Uh, at that point, about two-thirds of patients had toxigenic C. diff in their stool, and then it declined over time uh, to about 5% at six months. Uh, so this is important for patients because they're always worried about another antibiotic being administered, and if they have C. diff in the stool, of course, that could uh, inhibit their normal bacteria and allow the C. diff to again uh, grow back up. So uh, that is a, a very concerning issue for patients. And, and obviously, we can't all avoid antibiotics all the time, so uh, that then becomes a, a very uh, major concern for people, especially those who have had multiple episodes of C. diff and recurrent C. diff. Exactly, and that's another good reason to encourage patients to continue um, with their home care regimen, and especially with environmental safety cleaning, correct? Right, right. Okay. Well, doctor, before we close the program, are there any closing comments you'd like to share with our listeners today? Um, I sure would. Uh, the um, non-toxigenic C. difficile technology uh, is now owned by me. I, I obtained it from the pharmaceutical company that purchased the uh, rights uh, from the original company and, uh, and did not have uh, interest or expertise in developing this. But uh, I am now looking for a pharmaceutical partner uh, to develop phase three and also uh, potentially to develop uh, primary prevention uh, studies as well because I think uh, both of them have tremendous potential in the area of prevention of both C. diff initially and C. diff recurrence. Uh, so the uh, technology is uh, currently available and uh, we're seeking interested uh, pharmaceutical companies, uh, investors that would want to, uh, to see this become a reality. Okay, and we encourage all interested parties to contact you directly. Do you have an email or a contact number they can reach you? I, I do. Um, I can be contacted directly at uh, dale.girding, uh, the number two, at va.gov. That's my, my VA email address. And I also have a representative who is um, talking to potential uh, licensees. His name is Fred Floberg, F-L-O-B-E-R-G. And his email address is fred.floberg at thechicagocorp.com. And his phone number is 312-543-8551. 312-543-8551. 
Wonderful. Well, Dr. Gerding, we are so grateful for you to be here with us today to let us learn more about your technology and the NTCDM3. And I'm your host, Nancy Corrala, with our reminder that none of us can do this alone. All of us can do this together. And we wish you and yours a very good day. Thank you for tuning in this week for C. diff, spores, and more. Be sure to join your host, Nancy Kerala, again next Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time. That's 1 p.m. Eastern Time for another edition of our program on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. None of us can do this alone. All of us can do this together.